Welcome to the Garden Wise Show with Colorado's most knowledgeable and entertaining garden experts, the Garden Wise Guys, Keith Funk and Jim Borland. Get ready for gardening tips that you can use right now. New plants, hot products, and the latest from horticultural science. The lines are open, so call into the Legend Studio now. 303-477-2473. 303-477-2473. On the air since 1994, the Garden Wise Guys have the answers to your questions about gardening in the high-altitude desert of the Colorado Front Range. And now, here are your hosts, the Garden Wise Guys. And just like that, we are back here on Legends Day 10 taking your phone calls. We don't have any right now. Did everybody drop off? Did they go Did they go out for, for breakfast? Or, or Ooh, what? that sounds good. Yeah, let's do that. Let's go. Let's just, let's just shut this whole thing right down right now, uh, Sean, and we'll just all go out for breakfast. We can bring some back. We can do takeout. Takeout. <laughs> well, why we just do delivery? We can do Grubhub. We can do that. Yeah, Grubhub. Somebody yeah. give, us a, give them a call. Yeah. And get a pizza while you're at it. <laughs> We're here on Legends Day 10 taking your phone call at the following phone number, 303-477-2473. Oh, and uh, let's see. Garden Wise, Wise Imponderables. I'd never thought about this before. But if, if Cinderella's shoe fit perfectly, then why did it fall off? Good question. I don't, I've never thought of that. But anyway, it's something you folks can think about over the, over the next week. And give us a call next week with your answer. <laughs> I don't know. Well, like uh, there was one that Sean posed to us earlier. If, if boiling water makes eggs hard, why does it make pasta soft? Mm. I want to know. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Very good question. These are imponderables. You never see these posted. These these are little scientific experiments we could be doing all the time. Figure this stuff out. Mm-hmm. Here's a note from history. 1898. A new automobile speed record was set. Oh, yeah? You want to know how fast 1898? that was? 1898. 1898, yeah. Automobile? Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't know they had them back then. I didn't either. Somebody did. <laughs> anyway, it was the only automobile, so whatever speed it went, that was a record. 25. <laughs> Close. 39. 39. 39 oh. miles an hour. Well, you know, they, they used to think that the, the, the human body couldn't take traveling at 60 miles an hour. That's right. <laughs> and you would die if you broke the, sp- uh, broke the sound barrier. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. 303-477-2473. That's the number to call. <clears throat> And did I ever tell you my favorite dad joke? Probably, but, you know, I don't remember anything anymore, so go ahead and do it again. <laughs> do you know why the Norwegian Navy puts barcodes on all their ships? <laughs> yes, I have heard this one. But uh, that, as I said, I forget the, the answer. <laughs> <laughs> so when they come back in the port, they can Scandinavian. Yeah, of course. Why not? <laughs> I heard they went away from barcodes and did that little box with a squiggly line oh in it. yeah yeah that's what is that called qr code qr code yeah what does qr stand i for? dare you to tell me what that means <laughs> 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 that's like uh, uh what what was the one that was on tv all the time oh 4g lte well that's 5g now it is now 5g but they've dropped the lte part of it 
What is and LTE? I've asked people all over the place. We all hear this. We can recite it. What does it mean? Well, I know what the G stands Nobody for. Nobody knew. Nobody I asked knew. No, I take that back. One person didn't know. He was in the business. Oh, okay. <laughs> I know what the G stands for. It just stands for generation. It managed to stand for generation. And the generation part is not very specific. It just means it's the fourth iteration of this, yeah, it, whatever it, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, but it's not a, a normal progression from generation one to two to three to four and now to five. And by the way, nothing works on five. Uh, <laughs> So I don't know why they keep advertising that. And the LTE part, that means long-term evolution. <clears throat> and my next question is, what in the world does that mean? And who cares? <laughs> exactly. What, what does that mean to me? Why, why would I care about that? I, well, just make sure it works. That's all I guess. That's for. all I care for. Really. It's like, just make sure my chicken's not toxic <laughs> when I eat it. So there you are. All okay, right. enough of that. Um, we don't have any phone calls yet, do we? No, we don't. I don't understand that. Well, well, I, have you started anything in the well, spring? I brought some seeds back. Shh. Don't tell Shh me, oh, don't my tell God. Me. I, didn't put them through, I didn't put them through agriculture. I'm turning you in. There's a reward for that, you know. <laughs> oh, man. I brought back, and I've done this before, Ceteria palmifolia. Or Why does Ceteria that palmata. Why does that sound familiar? It's, it's, it's a grass. It's a tropical grass. Okay. Big, tall thing. Long, long leaves. Big, flat, wide leaves. Okay. With very strong veins down through it. Mm-hmm. Cool looking. Done this before. <coughs> I'll, I'll, but anyway, I'm going to start those seeds up pretty soon. And okay. I found some some place there was growing a a marabolus. A four but o'clock. It was, yeah, it was a four, but not the ones you and I know. It, this was something different. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to grow some of those for next year. See what they turn out to be well one of our mutual friends posted a picture of an impatience an african impatience yes online the other yes. day and i went to look for seed online i, I did i too. can't find it <laughs> i did too i did come across one called matatariensis or something uh-huh that looked interesting five seeds for you know 10 bucks or something right probably won't get that one no but i thought that was pretty cool it was a neat looking impatience yes. it doesn't, didn't look like an impatience at all no no not at all a friend of but mine had color. Uh, impatience by color, uh-huh. um, and I stole some seeds from that one, too. And it's another one of those tropical ones, and it's yeah. like three or four feet tall. And I planted some of those, and they grew like weeds. Yeah. Well, they are weeds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and they started reseeding in my garden. I oh. Said, oh I, I, I think I'm going to. Put, nip that one in the bud <laughs> before 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 they got into into the grass. <laughs> yeah, and but they the were pretty. Yeah. But they were indeed wide colored, mm-hmm. purple and yellow, as I remember. Well, it's interesting to see what our our now bedding plant type impatience actually came from yes. genetically. Well, yeah, yeah, and and the advancements that were made, oh, on the improvements in the flower shape and color and the plant they, they form. They don't look anything at all like what they do, did in the yeah. wild. Yeah. I remember as a kid, we would, uh, th- in the neighborhood, people had impatience. And this was back before impatience, I think, were even a bedding plant. It was a house plant. Yes, and that's right. I think right. they called them busy lizzies or something like that. And you'd exchange cuttings. And mm-hmm. I think there were three colors. Mm-hmm. There was red, orange, and white. Mm-hmm. And you root them in water, 
and then you pot them up, and once in a while they'd actually produce a flower. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Easy to rot off in the pot, too, yeah. as I recall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nothing like what we have now. No. And the same could be said for, for coleus. Oh. There was very few of them available of different... And somehow all of that reminds me of something that I saw in one of my e-magazine, trade magazines. Mm-hmm. Um, ice plant. Yes. You can eat it. What? Yeah. <laughs> the research is, being, is underway to grow them in the greenhouse for a crop to eat. Raw or cooked? I think you could do. No, I'm sure it was is raw. You okay. use them in salads, like you I can imagine things. cooking them. They turn yeah. into mush, and they're and they're very sour, as I understand. Okay, sort kind of like, like purslane, huh? Uh, and sorrel. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You can eat purslane. Yeah, I which is a common weed you, out in our you yards. Can. I don't know why you'd want to, but sure. <laughs> you can eat dandelions too. Yeah, <laughs> and marigolds, and Flowers. nasturtiums. Those are nasty. Yeah, have you ever eaten a nasturtium flower? I, I have. And once was enough. Once was plenty. Yeah. A little bit of petals sprinkled across the top of your salad is okay. but And pansies, you can eat them too. Mm-hmm. Oh, and one that tastes good is daylily buds. Never had them. Always wanted to try one. They're sweet. Are they? Yes. They're very tasty. Mm. And uh, and you get them just as the the bud is is colored up and is starting to break open. Mm-hmm. And that's when you harvest it. And oh, they're they're delicious. Can the you petals pre- are delicious. Prepare them like squash flowers. You can bread them and fry them. I don't know. I just ate them. I just seen them eaten raw and you know sprinkled on a salad or something mm-hmm. like that. I don't but know why sweet. any of this reminded me of of, of our friend Paniotti who who visited Patagonia with a bunch of other local people, yes, as it uh-huh. turns out. Um, and the most remarkable plant, although there were several he, he had posted on Facebook, uh, were the rhizulet oh my violas. Gosh. Oh, my gosh. Think of the way an African violet grows. But tighter. But much tighter. Yeah. With cool colored leaves. Yeah. And then... Violet flowers, yeah, peeking out peeking from out. underneath the leaves, yeah. all around. Yeah, absolutely adorable. And then they show some of the surrounding landscape. It's like it's like a moonscape. It's barren. Yeah, really. <laughs> and and there are many species of these. Yeah, things. they are. They grew on these um, volcanic, I guess, soils. Yeah. Well, the ones I've seen, yeah, volcanic soils. Up on up high in the mountains. High, yeah. Are they hardy here? Well, I there. I think there's every reason to believe that they should be. Did you go look for seed for that? I, well, I wasn't there. No, I mean online. Oh, N- I think I did. I have done that in the past. No, nobody's no? got it anywhere. Mm, that's too bad. It is because uh, these would would take the rock gardening crowd by storm. I would think so. And we may be one of the perfect places in the world to grow them. With yeah. Our, with our climate here, dry. Yep. Sunny. Mm-hmm. Low humidity. And you can. You can grow them in scoria if you want to, but you don't mm-hmm. have to. Just fast draining soil. And I've got a sand bank that I could grow them on. Yeah, there you go. There's one whole section of my front yard that's literally sand. <laughs> <laughs> Const- no, leftover from construction. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I told them to leave it there because 
I wanted yeah. a, a planting area that had that kind of profile. There, there you go. And, and it's turned out to be very beneficial. I can grow things there that wouldn't grow in my more clay-like soil in mm -hmm. the rest of my yard. Yeah. It's handy to have that. I, I've had patches of that around my house, too. Mm -hmm. We were digging around there and saying, oh, look, there's a big pile of sand underneath here. Mm -hmm. Cool. And, it, and there were a number of other things that Penny showed pictures of, too. Uh, I think you ran across that cal Calciolaria unifolia. Unifo oh, unifo I saw unifo that. Those are just remarkable. <laughs> just and some mimulus, too. Mimulus, yeah. Growing in the same conditions as ours grow in here. Yes. The, so, the, the, so there's another whole world of plants that... 99.99% of gardeners in this part of the world don't know anything about. Nothing. Which is weird because a lot of the plants that we grow here, like geraniums and gladiolus, and you know, I could go on and on, come from the southern hemisphere. Yes. But southern Africa. Africa. Of all not places. South America. South America. Yeah. So, so get busy, people. <laughs> get some of that stuff up here. Yeah, really. Maybe we should take a trip, Jim. We can just go collect all kinds of stuff and get arrested. <laughs> yes, and, and it's now more and more difficult to get anything out of almost any country, but especially South American countries. Mm -hmm. I know the Botanic Gardens has tried to do it, and it's succeeded in, in some areas, uh, but it's not easy because mm -mm. uh, they finally recognize that they have a treasure trove of stuff, of, uh, of DNA, if you put it that way, in, in, their, in their wilds. And mm -hmm. they don't want to release it to the rest of the world without somebody paying for it. Yeah. And making arrangements for if it works out, they want uh, they want kickback for every plant that's grown from their their seed. Mm hmm. I mean, I, you know, certain way, rightfully so. We're just so used to gathering plants in our country from all over the world, willy nilly. Mm hmm. Well, that's what they used to do in the UK. You know, they'd yeah. send plant explorers yeah. all yeah. over the world. Yeah. And, and you send things with back. archaeology, too. Yeah. Send <laughs> ar archaeologists over there and bring all their stuff back. Mm -hmm. Well, they want Now they want back. it back. Yeah, they want it back. <laughs> uh huh. I, and, and I understand that. I understand it. I just don't like it being made more and more difficult for other people to, to enjoy other things from other parts of the world. Yeah. Well, back to planting. Yeah. Uh, and this time of year, there's some things that I've started. Uh, I, I took some coleus cuttings and some scented geranium cuttings this fall, and I had them growing in four-inch pots. Um, and I posted this on our Facebook page uh, on what I was doing with them, and I, yeah. I moved them up. Uh, uh, I moved the coleus up because the, the four-inch pots were big enough now. To I took, uh, I think, two four-inch pots and put them together into an eight inch pot mm -hmm. and i have three of those eight inch pots now uh, or four of them uh, that are my stock plants mm -hmm. for spring and so i'm going to encourage them to grow um, as much as possible so that by early march i'm thinking early march would be about the right time i can start taking cuttings off of those stock plants for my planters for spring Good idea. When I plant outdoors, which is what I want to do. Now, 
call us and tell us what you are planting or planning to plant for next spring. I'd like to know what new things you are going to plant. I don't care whether it's new to anybody else, but if it's new to you, call us and let us know because we enjoy talking about those kinds of things. And you can do that by dialing 303-477-2473. And having said that, we're going to take a short break and be back right here on Legends 810. As a gardener, you already know that happy, healthy roots translate to happy, healthy plants. Unfortunately, not all potting mixes are created equal. And without a good soil environment for healthy root growth, your houseplants, herbs, and other potted plants are sentenced to a life of hard labor or worse. That's why all gardeners need to know about Fertilome Ultimate Potting Mix. The choice of professional nursery and greenhouse growers, a long-lasting all-purpose performer, Fertilome Ultimate Potting Mix has everything necessary your plants need to thrive, including slow-release humates to promote healthy roots and vibrant, vigorous plants. When you want to know which product works best, find out what the experts use. Fertilome Ultimate Potting Mix. Your plants will love you for it. Ask for Fertilome Ultimate Potting Mix by name at your favorite independent garden center. Jared's Garden Center. Tagawa Gardens, Wilmore Nursery, and Nick's Garden Center. Be sure and tell them the Garden Wise Guys sent you. Call into the Fix It Show with your questions about your home. Saturday morning at 930. Specializing in heating and cooling problems, legendary hosts Deborah and Adam bring decades of experience and award-winning expertise to their live, interactive Fix-It show, helping your home weather Colorado's unique climate and temperature swings. You have questions, they have answers. Call into the Fix-It show every Saturday morning from 9.30 to 10.30 on Legends. And we are back. As I promised, here on Legends 810, taking your phone calls just as soon as you call in at 303-477-2473. And that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> we thought we needed a new radio in our bedroom. Mm-hmm. We have a, an old, one of those Bose little radio yeah. things. We've had it for at least 20 years, yeah. if not more. And it's always worked perfectly. Well, lately it started to have buzzing in the back like, like yeah. interference mm-hmm. staticky yeah finally figured out today what it was not the radio it's not the radio right below it in the basement is a big led light fixture that i'm using now and when it's on it yeah, creates buzzes. static in the radio we thought we were going to have to buy a new radio now i realize well that's just going to have static too <laughs> <laughs> i think there's a way around that because we, we did remodeling in, our, remodeling in our kitchen, and we had a bunch of what, they, what are now LEDs put in, mm-hmm. and we, now we get static on our radio when those lights are on. Yeah. And I remember the electrician saying, if that's a problem, because we didn't know it at the time, let me know, and there's a fix for it, and I have no idea what that fix is. Well, we haven't gotten around to calling back the... Well, actually, the electrician has since retired, so oh. <laughs> we have to get somebody new. And his replacement got out of the business so well probably the new person's not gonna know what you're talking about i I don't think there is a new person oh i think the business went kerplunk oh that's too bad yeah well i gotta figure out what to do now uh there is a fix for it though there is a fix yeah aside from moving the radio to the other side of the room uh ours is on the other side of the house and it's still (laughs) 
Oh, so it's through the maybe through the electrical. <laughs> yeah, it's somehow I don't know what it is. Rather than, but it only works on Legends A10 and everything else related to it, uh, but not on, not on FM. Not on FM. No. Huh. No, I don't know why. It's just one of those areas of life that I know nothing about. Because hmm. because we're listening to FM on oh. that on that radio, and it still gets static. And. Who cares at this point? Like right? I said, <laughs> I don't know. Let's go out and talk to some people about well, gardening. I wish you would. All right. Good morning, Joe. Thanks for calling the Garden Wise guys. Hi. I uh, always try to water some in the winter, but with it being so dry, I'm curious, um, should everything, I always water perennial flowers and trees. Yeah. What about fruits like strawberries and raspberries? Yeah, they absolutely. Yes. Yes. Okay. And since it's so dry, what do you recommend as far as frequency or how much? Oh, boy. Uh, a, a tough thing since the plants aren't really using very much water. Um, I don't know. How often were you watering in the summertime? Once a week? Oh, no, a couple times. Oh, okay. I, certainly not more than once a week, I wouldn't think. Okay. And probably every two or three weeks. Once a month, but... Yeah, yeah. A good, a good soak once a month is better than nothing yeah. at all. Yeah. But also yeah. make sure that the ground isn't frozen where you're going to be watering. Yeah, because yeah. it won't soak in if the ground is frozen. And another thing, um, some program I listened to, the guy said uh, lawns should not be watered in the winter. Grass is meant to go dormant. Um, what's your feeling about that? And I was wondering if I set a sprinkler out there to water my strawberries. And it will spray over on the lawn. Is that not a good thing? Will the grass kind of, you know, think it needs to wait? Well, up? I I would differ that one shouldn't water the lawn in the winter time. I'm just thinking of the the grass that 99 percent of the people are growing is called Kentucky bluegrass, mm-hmm. and it originated, I suspect, in Kentucky, in places where it never freezes like that. And so the grass stays green year-round. Now, it doesn't do that here very well, but uh, I think the grass would appreciate having its having water or moisture down around the roots throughout Absolutely. the winter. Absolutely. I, I see it all the time where people's, uh, in, in the spring when the grass is supposed to be greening up and, it's de- in, and instead of greening up, it's dead because it was on a south or west-facing slope yeah. uh, where it got way too dry, drier than what a dormant grass can handle. So moisture is a good idea in the lawn, absolutely. So since my sprinkler is off and blown out, and I've got these little portable ones, should I literally try to, on a, another warm day, set these out where they will cover yard and uh, all the perennials and everything? And I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they, they would appreciate it, trust me. Do you think I should go as much as an hour to really get them soaked up? deeply it depends on the sprinkler and how much water it's putting out and if the soil can absorb it as fast as you're putting it down so you'll have to watch closely as you're watering i'd check it every 15 or 20 minutes to see if it's still soaking in or whether it's starting to run off into the street or or what have you and then you'll have to stop and let it soak in before you water more but one way i check my watering is after i think i've put enough water down 
I'll let it soak in for half an hour or an hour, and then I'll go out there with a trowel or a screwdriver and just probe down into the soil to see how deeply the water has penetrated. And if I can get it down, you know, five or six inches deep, um, I, I call that good. What ha- if we do get some really cold weather and the ground freezes and stays that way for a while, how does that affect the roots not getting moisture and, and being frozen? Well, they're frozen and, if you will, um, in a suspended state, a dormant state. Uh, they're, you know, frozen tissue on plants isn't, isn't growing. And so that if it's not growing, it's really not using water. Okay. So I can kind of not water if I know it's frozen. Yeah. And besides, your soil probably won't take the water anyway. It's just going to run off. Another question. I have some big ornamental grasses that I pull into the garage every winter. And thinking that they were somewhat protected. Well, I have an indoor-outdoor thermometer that records out there. It said it was 5 degrees this morning. Yeah. In the garage, I mean, I can't believe it. So, uh, well, I'm going to check the batteries on it. But it was quite very cold. It was 5 degrees on the north side of my thermometer. So um, do you think those, uh, those grasses are maybe killed by that? You know, what, you know what kind they are? I've got a variety of them, about five different kinds. Are they all perennial grasses? Uh, yes. Then they should be fine. They should be fine. Most of the perennial grasses growing for ornamental purposes here are hardy for zone five, if not actually colder than that. And zone 5 is the lowest average temperature is minus 20 degrees. Okay. So anything higher than that, they should be fine. Okay. And on sunny days, would it be a good idea to let sunlight into the garage or really try to keep them dormant by preventing light getting on them? I would, well, preventing light from getting on them isn't going to keep them dormant. It's more of a temperature uh, situation, but yes, I, I would keep them dormant as possible. I would not put them out on warm days or anything like that. It's not going to give you. It's not going to be beneficial. Let's put it that way. Okay. I'm going to have to back up here. Maybe I, my ears weren't 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 listening well enough. You have grasses inside the garage, in pots. In yeah, in pots. pots. Ornamental grasses. Yes, about five well, different kinds. I can't even remember all of them. One's a zebra grass. And yeah. Now, like now I'm going to have to back up here a bit. The tops of your grasses, the crowns of your grasses, are probably perfectly fine with the temperatures that you're experiencing. What the problem will be, if any, will be the roots. The roots, curiously enough, are not nearly as hardy as the tops of the plant. And once we get down to actually uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 degrees above zero, roots on a lot of plants will start dying. Now, there are exceptions all over the place, but nobody seems to know what those exceptions are. Does it help at all to throw a blanket over them? I mean, is that any help? Only if it's an electric blanket that (laughs) generates some heat. Yes. (laughs) The way these coverings are supposed to work is that you cover the plant and trap the earth's heat Mm -hmm. from escaping. Now, if you're putting a blanket over the top of a tree, for instance, that's not going to help at all. Because the the air temperature underneath that blanket is still going to get as cold as it is outside the blanket. 
It's not okay. like the, the, the tree or, or the shrub or what have you is generating heat like you and I do. We generate heat, and so blankets help conserve that heat. But plants don't generate heat, so covering them up won't have any effect at all unless you can trap the heat from the earth. Now, one thing that will help is to, is to keep them watered. Um, a moist soil is much better for them going through cold weather than a dry soil. Yep. Yes. Okay. Well, you've given me an idea, though, when you mentioned the electric blanket humorously. Um, I wonder if it would be, since I'm afraid to leave a heater on all night, a space heater. Sure. Um, would an electric blanket? I don't think electric blankets can be set low enough to benefit the plants. Now, if you could set your electric blanket not to come on until temperatures reached, oh, freezing. And none of the electric blankets will go down that low. The thermostats in them won't go down that low. So there's none that you can just turn it, like, on and say, keep it 32? No. Or just turn it on to warm and let it stay on well warm's going to be probably in the neighborhood of 60 to 70 degrees that's too warm oh, that's you don't want warm. the plants coming out of dormancy no yeah yeah okay well forget that idea yeah. now guess. now that is not to say that someone out there in the world can devise a electric blanket to come on at the temperatures you want it to come on like freezing or maybe 20 to above zero or something like that but nobody makes them yeah well darn Okay, well, thank you very much, and have a Merry Christmas. All right, you as you well. Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah, I've often wondered, uh, can't we make some devices for plants that that they don't have to come on and off at 60 degrees, but lower, much lower than that? They do for bird baths. They do. They keep them just a slightly above freezing so mm -hmm. the water doesn't freeze. Yeah. And some space heaters can go down pretty low. But even they won't go down to 32 degrees. What about propagation degrees. mats? I, they probably don't go that low. No, either, they do don't they? either. Of course, you don't want them to. But, right. But, uh, but that is not to say that an engineer couldn't come up with something that would, would do just that. Because mm -hmm. that would come in handy. It would. Because I don't need, I could put a lot of plants on our porch on, propag on mats, heat mats. But I don't want them at 60 and 70 degrees. I wanted them to keep them from freezing. Yeah. And not much above that. Otherwise, it'll be on all the time. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And now with our new smart meters we all have in our houses. Yeah. And by the way, we don't have any idea how they're going to charge for those. I don't know that we have one. We just had one installed. Oh, yeah? Uh, we, didn't, we didn't ask them to. They just came out and did it. Hmm. I wonder. I should go check mine. Maybe there's, there's, maybe they a, did. There's a whole program involved with it, and I'm I'm not very happy with it. Well, I know that I'm going to eventually, at some point in time, have to change my my um, grow room from running during the day to running at night when the rates are cheaper. Yeah, exactly. But do you know when those times are? I don't. Well, I don't either. And they're not going to tell you. Now you know what the rates are during the day versus night. I don't more, either. More? And, and they're not going to tell you. Even on the internet, Mr. Google doesn't know? Well, I haven't checked him lately. Okay. Um, and we, I don't know when this is going to start because they're not going to tell you. They send out all kinds of promo information, mm -hmm. but none of the information was on there. So you can't do any planning. Well, I want to plan. Well, I'd like to plan, I too. I want to develop a spreadsheet. I, 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> I want to know when I should do the laundry. <laughs> That's right. You know, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, if we, if we use less electricity, of course we wouldn't use less because we're going to use the same amount just at different times of the day. It's not like water. You use less water, you get charged more for it the next year because they didn't sell as much. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I'm waiting for uh, these people to do the same thing. Yeah. And, and they can do it now. They can change the rates anytime they want. We just got notice that our, our phone rates are going up. No, really? Uh, yeah, and internet connection costs are going up. They didn't say why. Does it cost them more money? I don't know. I don't either. I think it did it just because he can. Five bucks a month are going up. Well, let's get back out to the phones because okay. we do have people waiting to talk to us. Yeah. And the next up is Jude in Denver. Good morning, Jude. Good morning. Hi there. How you doing? Good. I'm calling to tell you what I'm going to plant next year. Go for it. Uh, I am. Um, two different tomatoes. One is called Indigo Blue Beauty. Mm-hmm. Is, have you ever heard of it? Is it that little uh, black cherry tomato? That's one of them. Yeah. That's, that's just called Indigo Rose. <clears throat> okay. The, the, and that is a, a cherry tomato, and they are... The other one is a more of a regular sized tomato, and it is called Indigo Blue Beauty. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, my nephew grew one of, gave me a plant that he grew from seed last year, and I have never tasted a better tomato in my entire life. Is that right? And it's the same thing. They're you know they they're green of course, but then they're kind of almost black on the top. Yeah. And then they gradually turn kind of like a a, a rose color. Mm-hmm. Purpley pinky rose, and they're fabulous. Well, that's good to know. I have to give that a try. No, I'm immediately wondering, why do they call it indigo? Isn't indigo a blue color? Bluey's purple? Yes. Okay. That is why. So, anyway, um, I guess John Sheepers has the seeds. I, some people that I gave tomatoes to were going to dry the seeds out of the plant, but I don't, I don't, I'm not that type. I'll just get mine out of a catalog. There you so, go. They're very, very good, so I highly recommend them. Well, I saw something like that at the Botanic Gardens a year or two ago. They had some that were just deep, deep, like eggplant purple. Yes. And I thought those were really cool looking. They were ornamental as well as edible. I thought that was pretty neat. Yeah, they're, they're, um, they look almost black. And then they gradually, like you said, they get that aubergine mm-hmm. eggplant egg, egg color. And then they gradually turn to more of a red. And uh, it seems to me like they took these longer to, to ripen, then okay. it did like or tomato, like a better boy or something like that. Mm-hmm. But once they started coming, it's like I hoarded them. <laughs> <laughs> I gave away a lot of tomatoes, but not many of these. So, so if anybody wants to try those indigo tomatoes, you can't go wrong. We'll have to take a look at that. Thank you. I appreciate yes, that, Jude. thank you. You're welcome. I'll have a Merry Christmas. Are you me. as well. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Did you catch what she said? What? Aubergine. Aubergine. Yeah. yeah. That's the English, UK yep. version of eggplant. Yep. They're called aubergines. Oh, that's, that's cool. Yeah. I used to not grow uh, lemon boy tomato because I don't like lemon. <laughs> and I thought, well, they must have called it lemon boy because it tastes it like, like a lemon, lemon. tomato. <laughs> well, it doesn't. It tastes wonderful. <laughs> 
All right, we're going to take a little break and, and cogitate over that. And when we come back, we're going to uh, take our phone calls when they come right in here. And there are two of them on the board already right here on Legends 810. Flowers make holiday celebrations extra special. At Lafayette Florist Gift Shop and Garden Center, we make it easy to thank a host, send holiday wishes, and deck your halls. Let us help with your gift list. We can deliver fresh floral bouquets and holiday plants locally and across the country. At Lafayette Florist, it's easy to send a heartfelt sentiment. Visit our website for beautiful holiday choices. Order online at www.lafayetteflorist.com. Call us at 303-665-5555 or stop by. We're open daily. These unprecedented times call for making new memories and flowers should be a part of everyone's celebration. Make those holiday video calls a little brighter with flowers in the screenshot. Send an Instagrammable floral hug to all the special people in your life. Call us, order online, or stop by. We take care of all the arrangements in all parts of the country. Lafayette Florist, Gift Shop, and Garden Center, located at 600 South Public Road in the heart of Lafayette. The friendly folks at Jared's Nursery Gift and Garden look forward to seeing you during the holiday shopping period. Complimentary hot cider and hot chocolate plus cookies will be available for your enjoyment. Our elves have turned the greenhouse and gift store into a magical winter wonderland. Jared's has one of the best stores around. You'll find delightful Christmas ornaments and decor as well as unique gift items for everyone on your list. Items from whimsical to elegant. If you haven't visited us during the Christmas season, you'll be very surprised at the variety and quality of the available product. Fresh-cut Christmas trees and greenery are in stock and looking beautiful. We hang our trees so you can easily see all sides. You'll find beautiful noble Fraser and Nordman fir, as well as Grand Douglas and Balsam fir. Most are available in several sizes, from 4 feet to 12 feet. There are limited numbers of trees above 8 feet tall. There are limited number of 10 feet and up native cone collar fur available. Santa's helpers will put fresh cut on your tree and tie it on your vehicle for a safe trip home. They do, however, really love pickups this time of year. Wreaths are available in sizes from 8-inch rings to 12-inch rings. The elves can provide a bow or even custom decorate a wreath for you. You'll also find fresh garland and bows of various kinds. Locally grown poinsettias in several sizes and beautiful Christmas cactus are in stock. In addition to Christmas decor and gift items, of course, standard everyday items you might need are available. Potting soil, decorative pots, house plants, seeds, mulch, things you expect to find at a garden center, no matter the season. Jared's Christmas hours are 9 to 7 weekdays and 9 to 5 weekends. All right, we are back. We're taking your phone calls right here on Legends 810. And having said that, why don't we go out and take a call? All right, let's go see what Kevin's up to out in Parker. Good morning, Kevin. Hello, gentlemen. How are you doing this morning? Fine. Excellent, excellent. What, thanks for calling the uh, the Garden Wise guys. What can we do for you? Well, I want to express, I actually have just recently found you on AM 810. Well, and, thank you. Uh, I actually tuned it in on a weather radio, uh, like emergency flashlight thing, and I'm like, wow, wow, who is this? Anyway, I really enjoy your show. <laughs> I've been oh. listening to it a couple Saturday mornings now, and I... I think that was my primary deal. Is I want to express that. Um, I know the question was, what am I going to plant next spring? But i got to be honest. Um, I'm in the irrigation industry, so to speak, where I was. Uh, it's been so slow with the economy and real estate. But what I'm trying to do is make good decisions about watering. And uh-huh. I guess the joke was, you know, my, my garden's not been so good because of the cats. 
walk all over it. But the other thing is, I uh, I just don't know if I'm going to be able to plant anything next year because the water. We're super dry here in Colorado. Um, mm-hmm. I've been here for 50 years, and I'm a native, so I just uh, I really hope we do get some moisture. But rather than hitting a sore head, uh, trying to wish for something that doesn't happen, I, I'll just move on to the next point. I had a theory that if I just water the stuff I got next year, is probably what my garden's going to be, see if I can keep the trees and plants alive. But yep. I was wondering what your opinion might be. I had this theory that in the summer here in Colorado, if a person waters quite a bit, say on their lawn and their trees, uh, especially grass, it transpires the water, most of it back in the air into water vapor, I thought. And um, I thought a phenomenon in Colorado happens where when people actually water, and now it costs money in their water bill and such, but the water vapor goes in the air, and then we get this weird thing that usually happens in the fall and sometimes the spring, where the upper temperature that goes over the mountains is so cold, it traps the, uh, the humidity in that air, in the metro area. But strangely enough, right as the sun sets, it'll start to condense, and we get a dew point, and then we get these heavy thunderstorms out in the plains, out towards Lyman, Colorado, and whatnot. And then they roll in as the temperature gets colder into Denver. And this is a theory I had because I've noticed in the afternoon sometimes we're lucky and we just start getting that rain every day at 3.30, and then it'll come back in again at about 9. And I had this theory that maybe if we cease watering because it's been so dry, is it actually making this dryness uh, go a little too far out of control? And, I mean, out here in Parker, I got dust problems now. It's, it's just so dry. <laughs> That uh, yeah, I'd, I'd almost wonder if we did water a little bit more actively. Does anyone think that that would actually cause us to naturally change the weather and maybe even get some more precipitation from the clouds that come well, up ahead? Of- technically, I don't know the answer to that, and I, I, a meteorologist would be the one to ask. I would yeah. think not. As much as okay. we water here, I don't. And boy, just as soon as I was going to say something, I was thinking of Phoenix, Arizona. I typically sure. at one time dri- a desert. And now the humidity there is quite high uh, sure. because of all the water that gets thrown around. Um, right. uh, but as I recall, I think Phoenix sits somewhat in a bowl, so that, that helps. And I don't know here if that would have the effect, that kind of effect at all. Because most of our moisture is not derived from evaporation from our lawns and, and reservoirs around here. It comes in from the Gulf or comes in from sure. the Northwest. Now we're talking that I'm not sure it's even comparable about comparing evaporation here and the moisture in the air from that, comparable to weather storms that come in from the Gulf or from the Northwest. I don't think the two are com- really comparable at all. I think sure. you may have I think you may have hit on the the dew point. Uh, yeah. We may we may get more dew because of that, and that might be more of a, an issue for diseases and that sort of thing like mildew and what have you happening because of the extra humidity that we have here now because yeah, we water yeah, so much yeah. but i don't know I, I i don't know does it does it go that far up into the atmosphere and accumulate in that kind of quantity to create more rain i don't know that it does yeah i i would not maybe further east it contributes to all the moisture and humidity that's in the air but i think here locally i, I don't think it adds that much Wow. Well, I was pretty aware. Well, here's a funny question. You guys probably have better accuracy on this. In irrigation, I was thinking that a cottonwood tree 
that it's 60 feet to 100 yeah. feet in size mm-hmm. could possibly transpire up to 300 gallons in a day, or am I just completely off on that? No, I but think I you're, you're right on that. There are some th- uh, examples like that that are fairly well known, just how much water is evaporated into the air. But yeah. if you're doing that where it's already uh, relative humidity is down in the teens, I'm not sure you're going to be contributing much to that. Yeah, well, my theory was, if I could somehow maybe catalyze some of that moisture that comes from the Pacific and gets way up in the altitude area. And the funny thing about the mountains is it's kind of like an airfoil. And I think that's why Colorado's got such a weird weather pattern. But most water in the United States, I thought, comes from this watershed, basically coming from the east and west of the Rocky Mountains. My theory was maybe if we could get that that water a little heavy and get it to drop down right (laughs) on the Well, one of the ways of doing that is seeding the atmosphere. Yeah, with, that's with you know silver iodide crystals, which has been tried yeah. many times, and yeah. it, I, it it does and it doesn't work. Um, sure. But uh, but you're right. We watch weather coming in from the west or northwest, and it hits the mountains, drops on the other side of the mountains, and by the time it gets over here, it, it's it's relatively dry again. Sure. Or the storms just move right up and over and and start falling yeah. on the plains and and miss us altogether here. Well, it's been funny because some parts of the country can get nailed with just a lot well, of precipitation. Yeah, take damage. the take the example of recently in California and in the Northwest, they get getting hammered with with precipitation and snow. Snow measured in feet, not mm-hmm. inches, and it comes over the uh, the Great Basin and it hits our mountains, and we don't get any here, none. Well. And I've always heard about that inversion pocket they call about Denver, and it used to trap the gas in there, creating a brown cloud. Oh, yeah, cloud. that does and, happen, uh, yeah. Yeah, so that will kind of prevent any moisture from even coming down, it would seem. It might just bump over and hit Kansas, maybe, if we're lucky. Anyway, gentlemen, I really do want to express, though, despite my lack of, well, horticultural skills, and even this is not a meteorological show. No. <laughs> but um, I do appreciate you guys. It's nice to hear you in the morning. In fact, I'll be honest, it's been chilly the past couple Saturdays, and I tune in the radio, and the spirit and positive attitude about getting things growing is really beautiful to me. Thank well, you, thank gentlemen. you. Thank we you. appreciate that. Take care. Thank you. All right. We couldn't have had a better, better anything said about us. That's right. <laughs> that. So um, I just wanted to bring up that he found us uh, by accident, mm-hmm. and he found us on 810 a.m., we're also broadcasting on 95.3 FM. Yep. Just in case you missed that or yep. on, are on the wrong band. <laughs> That's, there you go. So you can get us on either one. Uh, and, and again, on Sunday evenings. This, the show today is obviously recorded and then rebroadcast Sunday evenings well, from actually, 6 to 8. Actually, our morning show here on Saturday morning goes through a time warp. Does it? Yeah, overnight. I didn't know a that. A time warp, and it's it's greater than 24 hours. It's not until tomorrow evening that the warp comes back. Okay. Yeah, that's how that works. Does it change at the winter solstice, is it, or does I, it stay the same? Way out of my area of expertise <laughs> now. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> right. Enough of that. That's right. We, got, we don't have room but for one more call, I think. All maybe, right. Maybe two. Maybe two. Let's uh, let's go out and talk to to Charlie about some amaryllis. Good morning, Charlie. Hi, you guys. Uh, I got these amaryllis been doing really good every year, and they bloom at the same time in the spring. 
And uh, I had a table that was rotting on top because the water leaked out of a pan I had the plants in. So anyway, I moved the the uh, amaryllis to another table, and I was wondering maybe I should put them back on the same location because they bloomed so well in the same spot. Is the is the sunroom with some big windows in it? So this new table does it have the same light conditions and so forth as the old table? Well, it's a little different because of the way I got these huge windows out there. There's a window on the south, and there's two windows on the west that are real big windows. But I thought maybe I might need to move them back to the location where they were before because they've always bloomed so good there. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I would try to replicate that as best you can if, since you're successful with it. Um, well, I think they get more sunlight and light at the other where they were before. That makes sense because amaryllis do like a lot of sun. I moved a jade tree I got that was uh, in the, on that middle table where the amaryllis were before, and it got sunburned, so I moved it back to the other place. <laughs> okay. So uh, I think... Uh, that's the, I'll, I'll just do that uh, because, well, something else to do. But if it helps, then that's, that's the way to go. Yeah, I think if, if you've got something that's working, that's successful, uh, that's one thing I've learned in gardening is, you know, putting plants in different places. And when you find the right, the right spot for them and they really are happy, uh, don't change that. Yeah, I, uh, I haven't repotted them for probably... Five years, but how uh, often should you repot amaryllis? No, every every four or five years would be a good idea because the soil wears out after a while. They probably, yeah, I had one of them that uh, there was no growth on the one bulb, so I pitched the whole pot because it was probably root bound because there was another bulb because they divide. Right. So the pot was bulged out, and the one bulb didn't have any green on it, and then so I just pitched the whole thing. <laughs> well, but you I may... got four, four other pots, so I got, you know, after a while, you get too many plants. I hear that. Yeah, it's a good idea to replace the soil. And, and with amaryllis, you can, you can completely bare root them, take all the old soil off. It's better to get rid of all the dirt. Yeah, and the then you can, you can cut the roots back. Um, you know, cut them back to six or eight inches long, and just enough to fit in back into the pot with some fresh soil. Oh, so you don't need to use a bigger pot? Not necessarily, unless the you know unless the bulb has gotten larger, like you said, divided into multiple bulbs. It may need more more root room, but um, you know you don't have to move them into a larger pot unless you unless they've grown larger. Uh, would it be better to use the, the new, I mean, the new plants that divided off the old one? Because now I have too many plants. <laughs> I try to save the new ones off the old bulb? or uh, Not necessarily. They take a while to get to be a large enough uh, bulb to flower. I just leave them attached and, and just develop a clump. Oh, so just trim the roots back so we're going back in the same pot. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I'll do that then. 
I enjoy your show. I listen to you guys every Saturday. Well, we appreciate that, Charlie. You have a Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you. All righty. Thanks have for the call. Day. Bye-bye. All right. Yeah, what, there are a number of plants that seem to work better, or at least, I don't know if they perform better, but they, they look different, let's put it that way, if you leave a number of plants in the same pot. Mm-hmm. And other plants that just get really crowded if you do that. That's, cause creating, that's called creating a specimen plant. Yeah, yeah. And I guess as, as young gardeners, you're kinda, you teach yourself to, to separate everything you can separate so you have more. Mm-hmm. And at some point, you think, there comes a point where you have too many. Right. And, you don't really need more. No, no, you don't. And you can. You're allowed to put them out in the compost. Or give them away. Or give them away. Or put them in the trash. There's plenty of young gardeners out there that are That's true. still in that I need more phase. That's right. So, <laughs> <laughs> thank God I agree that. <laughs> I don't know that I have. Oh Lord. I mean, I, <clears throat> a friend of mine came by and looked at the yard the other day, and you know, not much to look at during the winter, but he was really tickled. And and I said, you know, I'm not I'm not really a landscape designer. I'm more of a collector (laughs) there you go and when i see something i like i get it and then i find a place to put it (laughs) we all do that hey everybody thank you for listening and participating in the show we we appreciate that as always and as always uh, remember to keep that shovel really sharp and be careful where you dibble and uh if you have any questions you didn't get answered this week or last week or the weeks before uh write them down and bring them back to us next week right here on legends 810